We are back. Today on the pod, we're going to be reviewing Yesterday, the film where if the Beatles didn't exist, what would music look like? And if Ed Sheeran was a good actor. We're also going to be reviewing Apollo 11. Jamie locked himself in an IMAX when he was the youngest person in the room. Uh, me and John are going to do our final dive into Black Mirror. And our big review of the week is going to be Spider-Man Far From Home. We're going to find out if the web, web slinger still got it. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. Jamie Hannon, how you doing, pal? I'm not too bad at all, mate. It's good to be back on. It's been a while. It has been a minute. Apologies for any audio discrepancies. We're doing this using Squadcast, uh, the tool out there for virtual podcasts. Uh, what have you been watching recently, pal? Oh, mate, I've been, I've been, I've, I've been pounding the hours to be honest with you, mate, on the old Netflix movies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been putting in the hard hours, mate. I've been working long shifts on that. Um, I've been uh, I've, well, I've, I've, well. We'll go talk about it later. But I've watched the Apollo Eleven, um, which uh, I'll, just very shortly. Incredible. I'll talk about that later. Uh, obviously, got and seen yesterday. Um, uh, no, I didn't go see it yesterday. I went to see it yesterday the film. And, hey. Yeah, done quite a few films on Netflix at the moment. It seems to be quite a, a few being powered out. And I saw the um, Shaft. I saw the Shaft sequel. <laughs> I really like that. How about oh you? Oh my god. Uh, that that shaft sequel. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, and I'm sure we'll review it as a streaming gem at some point in the future. But um, that that ended. That's a bad story of how that ended up on Netflix. So that actually done general release like three weeks ago, and it was tanking so badly that Netflix just came in, like how it picks up a drunk off the floor and says, "Go on, you'll do." Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's now available. So at least Netflix can brag that they've got a, a latest cinematic release on their stuff. Um, oh, I've been watching well, Netflix. Yeah, to be fair, actually, to be fair. And the cast does look pretty cool. But um, I've been watching on Netflix, doing a bit of a binge myself. I've watched that David Letterman show. Like They've done like Netflix money. They've got David Letterman to interview a bunch of people he knows and loves. And I watched the Kanye West episode. Yeah. And essentially, (laughs) it starts out with you thinking, you know what, Kanye West is, is just a misunderstood soul He's got this, you know, he's got this disorder, and sometimes he doesn't know what he's saying, and sometimes he he puts on a show, and for the first half of it, you generally think, you know what, I I don't know what I thought of you before, but what I see now is someone who's all right, and then Kanye West actually turns up, and you think, what a fucking bellend. But um, <laughs> I heard he loves fish sticks, mate. Oh, he likes putting them in his mouth, does he? <laughs> Anyway, fish sticks aside, should we talk about our first review? Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. You going to be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work. Because I am going on vacation. Heads up. 
Right. I am so pumped about this. Endgame, one of the best films of the year. The follow-up is coming. It is Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, Same director, same writers, but this has a far bigger burden to carry. This is the first film off the bat from Endgame, the last film from Phase 4, closing out the cinematic universe. And, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Adam Flint. I'm 33 years young, and I fucking love this film. Uh, This film is set eight months after the event of Endgame. So, look, if you've not seen Endgame now, then I'm going to have to warn you about spoilers. Did you actually going off topic? Did you hear about what happened with Tom Holland on the Graham Norton show? No, no. So he was he was on Graham Norton's um, show promoting Far From Home, and uh, they were talking about oh, okay, so obviously Robert Downey Jr. is not in this film and there's a lot of his his character's presence is felt after the events of Endgame and started talking about it and Tom Holland just went, yeah, since he died and just basically went into massive spoilers about Endgame. So many people on social media were attacking him like, my dad was hoping to see this. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, if If you were that obsessed that you were actually going to tweet Tom Holland abuse for dropping the beans on this film. You would have seen it already. So, like, you can imagine someone sitting there going, I was actually going to wait until 2021 for the network premiere on ITV2. Now you've ruined that bank holiday for me, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so this film is set eight months after the event of Endgame. Essentially, what they are saying is that uh, they... I don't want to go into spoiler territories, but I'm going to try and give you a flavour. They explain what happens during that five-year gap, why uh, they've managed to recalibrate society, and they do it in an amazing intro right at the start. Uh, It starts straight off with the school, basically. They've just completed their first academic year after the events of Endgame, and... And Spider-Man wants to take a vacation. Uh, Spider-Man is well-renowned throughout New York, and he's basically, yeah, he's kind of got a name for himself, where everyone's hoping that he'll fill this void of who's going to be the next Iron Man. Everywhere you go, on every street corner, in every scene, you can feel the presence left by Tony Stark. And it's weighing heavy on Peter, hence why when he goes on this vacation, he doesn't even want to take his Spider-Man suit with him. Uh, MJ has become kind of like his love interest and he's really hoping to to get in there and she's obviously doing the glances and it's kind of a will they won't they sort of thing going on here but that's basically like a a subplot really if I had to say the first film was all about a homage to teen movies this film is so much a homage to the European 80s vacation movies they start (laughs) off in Prague they go to Paris sorry you think they go to Paris anyway uh, London Berlin they go to loads of different places over the map lots of interesting locations anyway uh, over this vacation Nick Fury is trying to get in contact with Spider-Man because a man has turned up called Mysterio, played by none other than the legend himself, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, sorry about that, uh, signal cut out for a second. <laughs> and and uh, basically, the concept is that Mysterio has appeared on our world after the events of Endgame because something has caused a dimensional snap and he has come from another world to say that bad things are coming and he can help prevent them. That's all I'm going to say in terms of the plot lines to this, uh, but... Yeah, let's let's go to the, get to the crux of it. This carries the emotional burden from Endgame and then some. This is funny as fuck. There are some great action set pieces in this. There is genuine homage to the Sa- there's a lot of homage to the Sam Raimi trilogy in this. Uh, there are some cameos. There are some interesting throwbacks. There are some uh, respectful homage in a cheeky way paid to what has come before. 
But if you think that this is going to just do a paint-by-numbers, right, we've now established the Spider-Man ethos, and it's basically just going to follow Spider-Man paint-by-numbers as we've seen it in previous endeavours, it turns it on its whole fucking head. There are two post-credit scenes in this film that blow my fucking little mind. I cannot wait to see where they're going with this. The scary thing is, is that this is the fifth time Tom Holland has played Spider-Man, yet I still feel like we're just getting started, which is an amazing feeling. Uh, Jamie, you were kind of sceptical about Tom Holland's Spider-Man until you saw Homecoming. Uh, yeah, very much so. And I, I, I have to eat humble pie. I'm not a man who's afraid to say when I was wrong. Um, I think I got, you know, as I said before, I just got a bit fed up with all the Spider-Man reboots and I just didn't give it the time of day it deserved. And I, I watched it only a few weeks ago and I regret not seeing it sooner. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this one. So one of the great things about Homecoming was was the villain in that and a lot of people were saying okay are they ever going to be able to carry off that sort of performance in a subsequent film Jake Gyllenhaal in my opinion does that and then some it does a completely different angle it's amazing how it takes the comic book lore of Mysterio twists it to fit within the MCU and they still find ways for the the entire back catalogue of 22 movies to weigh heavy on this storyline in fact there are even some callbacks believe it or not to the first Iron Man film in this film and it's just amazing fan service whilst at the same time propelling it in a new direction um, I'm going 5 out of 5 I really really enjoyed this uh, this is up there for me one of the films of the year I, I, I can't give it any more praise than that so um, yeah long may it continue and you know 22 films in and they've still got it oh, I look forward to that one mate there you go there you have it Spider-Man Far From Home 5 out of 5 I work with Spider-Man. You work for Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan. News. Actually, Jamie, I'll go off pace on this. Have you been listening to the Ron Burgundy podcast yet? No, I haven't actually. I do need to. Ah, uh, dude, you have got to listen to it. I know you're a massive Ron fan, yeah. and it, it can't. I can't help but it reminds me of... Do you know, back in the day, so for listeners who don't know, me and Jamie actually were radio DJs at university and we hosted <laughs> a, a radio station and we were fucking terrible uh, mm-hmm. and no comments on our podcasting ability. But um, there was a... You had this thing where you had to say everything was... the some, Every feature we done, yeah. Jamie would go, it's the something hour. Yeah, Do you remember that? The, the 60s yeah. hour, the naked hour. Yeah, just... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we only we only had like an hour and a half show, so features yeah. didn't last very long. But uh, but <laughs> but but on Ron Burgundy's podcast, like his character can't understand podcasts really, so it starts out like thinking it's a TV show and thinking it's live somehow. So he then starts getting songs made like if it was a TV intro and it's this fucking genius jingle of like some 70s voice going, Hey, Ron Burgundy podcast! And it just <laughs> plays ridiculously, hilariously. <laughs> I do need to check that out. Yes, you do, you do. iHeartRadio's uh, Ron Burgundy podcast. Anyway, fuck them. We're, we're a better podcast. But anyway, the um, let's talk about news. So... Uh, Disney, they're on the live-action trail. As I kind of spoke about this last week when we heard about Ursula's being cast in their live-action um, Little Mermaid. I kind of want them just to stop for a minute. Anyway, they're not stopping, and uh, it came out yesterday, actually, that they've cast their, their Ariel. She has been cast. So mm. Hal Bailey, who is a singer who does like Nickelodeon Kids Club sort of stuff, 
uh, a singer of African American descent has been cast as Ariel. And you know what? I'm I'm really fucking disgusted to see this. To be honest, I'm looking at social media at the moment, and it's it's trending in the UK. Hashtag not my Ariel because oh, people. Okay. Are, Oh, I was wondering yeah. where you were going with that, mate. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, this podcast has just got a new audience. <laughs> no, it's... Okay, a, I yeah. can stop panicking now. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, a lot of people have a problem with this casting because, basically, they don't believe Ariel should be anything other than white, and I think that's... that's you've, you haven't even seen her act. You haven't even heard... Well, you might have heard her sing if you're, like, you're into her back catalogue and stuff, yeah. but... Plus Man, it's a cartoon. Like, what does it matter? <laughs> you know, what does it matter? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Are we? Is, are we going to get this fucking outrage porn on everything now? So it's going to be a, oh hashtag not my Sebastian the crab. Fuck yeah, sake, you know, man. Like they did Lion King and they didn't use real lions. Does that mean they? You know, they fucking phoned it in or something? You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, hashtag oh, not should, my Simba. Yeah, they should have spent twenty years training lions to talk. No, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, come on, guys, go over yourselves. <laughs> but I tell you what, I oh did do. Though. I made a mistake that a lot of people have made um, because I've seen this trending as well. So you people. thought Halle Berry? I thought Halle Berry. Yeah, I, I, I miss. You know, I don't know why, but you, when you quickly glance it and you see, um, you know, her first name especially, you think, oh, Halle, Halle Berry. That's that's an interesting choice. <laughs> you know, fuck it. She's got range. She could do it. She could yeah. be a fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking more like she doesn't know I think Ariel's supposed to be like 16, 17, 18 years old I was like well that's that's, that's going to be a tall ask but okay go for it um, but yeah I, I, but when, now, that, now when you look at it again you see it written down you're like how did I make that mistake I must have either been very tired or maybe slightly drunk I don't know I can imagine Halle Berry's just like, why the fuck am I getting so much heat on Twitter? Yeah, she's actually come out now and said she wishes her all the best. Well, I, I, I wish her all the best as well, to be honest. I think, look, there's enough fucking hate in the world and there's enough shit performances out there. Like, hate someone because of... Well, hate is a strong word, but if you're going to throw shade, then throw shade because the performance isn't what you want, not just because of their fucking skin colour. That's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyway, off of my moral my moral high ground of internet hate, let's talk about Ryan Johnson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he's uh, his first film after the Last Jedi is going to be a whodunit murder mystery called Knives Out, and the first trailer dropped for that a couple of days ago. It's got a really good cast: it's Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, just to name but a few. And uh, I I got to be honest, seeing James Bond being effectively foghorn leghorn as a southern gentleman of the establishment trying to find out who done it and part of me was thinking is he doing a kevin spacey impression and are we allowed to do kevin spacey impressions anymore oh, <laughs> but, that's uh, uh, dodgy ground <laughs> yeah 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 exactly jamie i know you are not uh, the biggest fan of mr johnson but will you see his murder mystery i do, I do like a murder mystery um I, like i've said to you before that if i ever got married I'd want my stag dude to be a murder mystery, which is probably not the coolest thing in the world. But if you threw in a few drinks and a few ladies, it might be good. I don't know. So I'm going to use that as a segue to go, uh, yeah, when I get married, plan me a murder mystery. Right, it's, it's, in, it's in the book, Jamie. The book of the stag <laughs> that I've been planning for the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean... I, I, there was uh, there's been a couple of murder mysteries recently. There was um, that Netflix. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. There was one on Netflix recently, 
um, which is about a oh, couple... Don't, don't, don't say the Adam Sandler one, that looks yeah, fucking terrible. Yeah, it was the Adam Sandler one, that's <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember, yes, it is Adam Sandler and um, Rachel from Friends, what's her face? Uh, Jennifer Anderson. Yeah, Jennifer Anderson. Uh, yeah, yeah that, and it was actually quite... It was light-hearted, it was quite easy watching, but actually it was quite cool to see the murder mystery sort of genre come back, because it, you know, it's something you maybe sort of relate to sort of like an, an older time, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, I think is the word. Yeah, I'm... There. I'm kind of digging it from the trailer. And you're right, I do think there's a bit of a resurgence. Uh, you think about the murder of the Orient Express that came out last year yeah. and the sequel to that, Death on the Nile, is being made at the moment. And, and uh, you know what? The Christie books there, aren't they? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. there you go. See, Check out the brain on Jamie. We're cold. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, with, with Knives Out, um, yeah, I'm interested enough. I think Daniel Craig is really... F- I love it when Daniel Craig goes balls deep into a role. Um, there was a comedy... He- <laughs> there was a comedy he done called um, called Lucky Logan uh, yes. a couple of years ago where he plays some like psychotic southern gentleman in that. And he really goes absolutely just... I don't know if he goes method or whatever, but I don't know, there's something about it. Also, the internet is loving Chris Evans, where there's a scene where basically all of the suspects are in a room and it's real tension. You can you hear Daniel Craig telling people that they should keep still and he has no no clue who done it. And then Chris Evans literally just tells everyone to eat shit and he's pointing at people going, you eat shit, you eat shit, you fucking definitely eat shit. And the internet has done what the internet has do- does and has made hilarious gifts off that. So... I, I'm actually really, really excited. Even though I kind of like had enough with Ryan Johnson after Last Jedi, I will, I will forego that little. I'll close that little door to open up that window for, <laughs> for Knives Out. Anyway, let's keep talking about Marvel, folks. So we're talking about Chris Evans, what he's doing post his Avengers contract. Dave Bautista, um, he is in tons of stuff coming out really soon. Actually, he's in a new comedy uh, called uh, Stubber. I think it looks incredible. Anyway, not not the news isn't that. Um, he was asked about whether he would he would be up for being in the Fast and Furious 9, and he has shot this down. Not only has he shot this down in terms of he has when he was approached by the filmmakers to potentially be in it, he was just like, no, thank you. He decided to go out in public and tell people, no, I'm not going to be in Fast 9 because, and I quote, I only star in good movies. Now that is shots fired. Shots yeah. fired. Ouch. Big Dave. Big, yeah. When Big Dave shoots you down, I mean... I mean, that's that's pretty harsh. But uh, he's kind of got a point, to be honest. I mean, they're kind of going doing their own thing with Hobbs and Shaw now, and they're desperately trying to fill the void of anyone who would hang out with Vin Diesel. Um, are you a fast man? Uh, no. <laughs> quite, uh, quite simply, I, 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 I think it's different cultures sometimes, isn't it? I think, you know, think about Britain, you know, we do a TV series, for example. It's only 13 episodes. Um, I can't imagine that, you know us ever doing a film franchise which is nine films long. But uh, I like the first couple, and then I just sort of lost my way with it. But I do hear good things about all of them, so I do feel like maybe I need to go back and fill that catalogue back in. Yeah, give it a look. I mean, yeah, I'm not one to to knock long film franchise franchises, considering I've literally been sucking off Marvel for the last two years. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <good point. laughs> uh, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm kind of indifferent, but um, something that I was a bit indifferent on earlier on, oh, sorry, I say later on last year, was um, Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, that was directed by J.A. Baega, an interesting director, um, mainly a horror guy. 
Uh, but obviously, likes mythology, and you can tell in some of his uh, storytelling ability, he has been snapped up for Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Uh, yeah. They have spent $250 million getting the rights to this already. So before even pen has dropped paper or they've even spent a penny on anything else, the rights alone cost $250 million, which means this is probably going to be the most expensive TV project of all time, so you probably need a good steady hand going with this. Excited about the Lord of the Rings show? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting, and, I, and it's an interesting choice for a director as well. I mean, he's got a, a huge back catalogue in Spain, like you know, doing Spanish films. He's won lots of awards for them, um, mm. but not too much in sort of um, English-speaking cinema, apart from you know, Jurassic Park, Fallen Kingdom. But he is a, a, a quite a well-renowned director. So, and like you said, his, his focus on mythology, I think, will have a big part to play um, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, Ultimately, I think for these sorts of things, you've got to be a fan. So if he's a yeah. fan, I, I think he'd do a good service. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm kind of like, to be honest, like I know a lot of people are always like, oh my God, I love Lord of the Rings. It's the best film ever. I can't, you know, when like you just have stupid uh, references to films when you're drunk. I can't, this was about a year ago I was out I was out drinking with um, with the guys from Pod of Two Halves actually in London and um, Michael Woods and that and uh, I was running to catch a train <laughs> and for some reason I grabbed Michael and just went for Frodo and turned around and started sprinting for the train and since then that has always been my mind of every time I go out and drunk I just think about that scene in uh, in Return of the King anyway that aside <laughs> um, that's about as much love as I have for Lord of the Rings I'm, I'm not too bothered about this um, that being said look if they give the right spectacle if they give the right cast if they can find the right narrative to pull people in look we all know from Game of Thrones what do we like we like dragons we like battles we like hardcore nudity put all those things <laughs> in a TV show then I'm there it could be a, a sexy hobbit with his fairy toes as long as there's a bit of nudity in there you'll get the crowd you know what I'm saying so um, I'm I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this now to an extent I'll tell you something like I'm, you, <laughs> <laughs> my wife's going to be like oh hobbit eh right, mark that down I don't think I've got that at Ann Summers, but let's see. Anyway, um, what I am chuffing excited about is uh, Bill and Ted Free. Oh, Bill yeah. and Ted face the music. We started getting set photos, but what's happened to Keanu Reeves' beard? I don't know, mate. I would, I would have thought Bill would. No, he's Ted, isn't he? No, Ted. I thought yeah. I think Ted would have had would have grown a beard. Like, he just seems the sort of guy that would have done. But he had. He doesn't look yeah. right without it, does he? I know. Younger, I know. He does look younger. He, he, he does, he does. Uh, yeah, and the, the the shots they've released aren't flattering of the guy, so no. I'm ho- obviously it's, it's probably just bad costume, bad angle. Set photos never look great anyway. Um, I am really, really stoked about this film. Have you seen Always Be My Maybe yet on Netflix? Yes. Oh, how good is Keanu Reeves in that? He's really good. He's hilarious. He is so funny in that. Um, yeah, it is... It, it, he he has a, he's a little bit um, typecast, isn't he, Keanu? He he plays very similar roles in a lot of things he does, and I think this this film um, sort of gave him the opportunity, didn't it, just to, just to cut loose? Yeah, just just have fun with it, and I really like that. Um, from all accounts, yeah, like he's, he's, a, he's a proper down to earth guy as well, from from what I hear, and uh, you know he's the sort of guy that you know fame hasn't got to him. You know he still gets the bus, gets the the metro. You know doesn't you know he doesn't you know, go around in private cars and all that all the time. So, yeah, I, I like the guy. <laughs> I'm excited for this film. I really am. What's your? Did you when you were growing up? 
did you have a favourite? Like, was it Bogus Journey or Excellent Adventure? That is like asking. Um, and obviously, you go for the smarter one, which is Bogus Journey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. I got to say, yeah. there was a. Do you remember there was a cartoon? There was a Bill and yeah. Ted cartoon. Yeah, man. That was actually what first got me on to Bill and Ted. Oh, really? Like when I was. Yeah, but I find it's fascinating, right? Because obviously a lot of people would not have seen the Bill and Ted movies, nor yeah. would they have seen the cartoon. And apparently in America, Bill and Ted actually was like a like a sketch, like on a like a like a TV show, like it was a sketch, like a thing oh. they went to from time to time. Is, is it on their Friday Night Live sort? Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Saturday yeah, Night yeah. Night. And uh, so most people who are really excited about this film. Or I say most. A lot of people who are getting excited about this film or can't understand why people are getting excited. Like, what? It's just Keanu Reeves and some homeless guy being really excited by a payphone. And it's like, no, 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 that's, 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 that's not the point. It's just, it was just yeah. excellent. And, uh, yeah, look, look, we're so stoked for this. Just let's bring it on. Uh, speaking of films that are coming out very soon, that we shout bring it on to, uh, episode nine, mm-hmm. end of the year, it's going to be, I mean... Star Wars has basically monopolised the Christmas schedule, haven't they? Over the last oh, what, nearly ten years now, right? And long may it continue. Exactly. So, episode nine. Um, I, I, my, my, my levels of excitement for episode nine were quite low, if I'm being honest. After Last Jedi, but they, they, you know, just like the, just like the mafia, they, they release the call and they yeah. pull you back in. We have eyes like a doll's eyes. Anyway, sorry, I won't go down that route. But um, Daisy Ridley's been out talking about uh, episode nine, and she has come out and confirmed that episode nine is going to address Ray's heritage. Now, there's an argument to say they've already done that in the previous movie, but then again, the only source of truth or information we got was from the villain. And can we expect the villain to tell the truth? So, Jamie, do you think this is just reading into things too much, or do you think they're going to redcon... What's happened in episode nine? Oh, sorry, yeah, I... yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think, I think that generally the last episode of the trilogies are when a lot of answers get, you know, come come to fruition. So I, I you know, like think about you go back to the uh, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi. You know, you, you get a lot of th- a lot of revelations come forth. So I'm hoping this will be the case here. But did you hear as well that um, Daisy Ridley almost quit the um, Star Wars franchise? During the Force Awakens, she got really quite, yeah. She got quite overwhelmed with it all and just said that she seriously thought about quitting. Um, oh my god! Fortunately, she stuck with it because I, I think she has become uh, an icon for for the new Star Wars generation. Yeah, definitely agree with that. If you look at her performance from, I mean, if you look at her her growth from. Star Wars Force Awakens to Last Jedi it's almost night and day in terms of her acting ability and I mean that with no disrespect to to The Force Awakens and I'm not a fan of The Last Jedi but I can I can gladly see and appreciate her acting ability has, has gone on and then some and obviously John Baega's gone on to do other roles outside of Star Wars at the same time he's become an amazing actor in his own right as well um, it'll be weird to think of what would have happened anyway they're going to have plenty of time to talk about Ray's heritage because they basically killed off any fucking interesting story threads in <laughs> in the Last Jedi anyway. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, let's keep keep it positive, Flint. Keep it positive. Um, anyway, so moving on to that. So the Flash, uh, a mm-hmm. movie which has been in development hell for about four years, 
Um, it is on to, I think it's fourth director, and Ezra Miller is actually staying on board. There was a, will he, won't he, should they recast, shouldn't they recast? Well, they've already recast Batman. Well, Mark Hamill's no longer going to be Spider-Man, but Aquaman made a billion dollars earlier. Yeah, you get the, the cycle goes on and on and on. Um, but anyway, apparently it's moving ahead with Andy Machete, who's going to be the new director. I've got to be honest, Justice League was such a car wreck. We kind of all just want to get as far away from that as possible. I don't really want to see any more of these movies coming out from DC. Don't get me wrong, Aquaman was good, Shazam. Yeah. Again, yeah, you, you like can Shazam. start yeah. Exactly, you can start separating these films from the the horrible fart that was <laughs> Justice League. And uh, just kind of you know, just pretend it didn't happen and start moving on. Uh did you like the Flash in those films? Um I gotta say, probably not actually, um, but that might be because I quite enjoyed the TV series, and I quite liked the direction that was going. Grant Gustin's a great yeah. Flash. He yeah. is, and uh, it's really hard, you know, sometimes to make that transition from TV to film in your mind when you've got yep. an actor in mind for that person already. Um, yep, so I never thought they could replace Dean Kane, though, Jamie. Oh, and, oh, and they yeah. did. No, no, tell me about it, mate. <laughs> And Terry and Terry Pratch, uh, Terry Pratchett, Pratchett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hatcher. Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Yeah, yeah she was Terry awesome Pratchett as well. Is a totally different. It would have given it a totally, <laughs> totally different feel. I think. <laughs> you know what? I would love to have seen Terry Pratchett in his wizard hat, wearing a black cocktail dress, being swooped up by Dean Kane. Yeah. I think that's get Jim will paint it. Jim will paint it. That will be the best fucking thing you've ever seen. Um, but. I agree with you. I I think that Grant Gustin had such an imprint, even though he used the medium of television to get his character portrayed across. He really didn't encapsulate the the what it means to be that character and the sort of fun and joyousness of that. I think Ezra Miller is a great actor. I don't yeah. think I think the direction either he bestowed upon the Flash in his interpretation or what direction he was given didn't hit the money for me. I think the best description I've ever heard is why they made him a crack addict. Like, why is he like a nervous, twitching crack addict? And uh, I've had I've had this discussion with a few people on on our Twitter account about Ezra Miller. I think he's an amazing actor. And when people try and be like almost like uh, apologists for Justice League, and they say about how um, how Ezra Miller was actually a saving grace, and I'll say, look, if that was an actor by any other name, would you actually have liked the performance? I I don't know. You know, there's a question mark there. And um, yeah, so. I don't know. I think this will eventually fizzle out um, when Warner Brothers decides to get his act together. But hey, you know, Shazam, I thought was a great film. I generally enjoyed it. Yep. We gave it a really favourable review really when we were yeah. went to the screening of it. But um, it didn't make that much at the box office, though. As, not as much as Aquaman did, anyway, which is a shame. Um, speaking about box office, just to round up the news, the Avengers, they released their extended cuts over the weekend. Um, I went to go see it, of course, and uh, I've got to be honest, I was so disappointed. Um, I'm going to save you your money and tell you what the extra scenes were. Basically, they gave a little thing from one of the Russo brothers, they couldn't get both of them, to basically say thank you. Uh, They showed a deleted scene, which is basically what the Hulk was up to uh, during during the five years. And then after that, they played a 30-second scene from Spider-Man Far From Home, which obviously you get straight away when you go to watch the film anyway. So I feel that was naughty of uh, Marvel there to try and get our money. And it's kind of showing in the box office takes. They still haven't beaten the record. They've beaten a record 
of its beaten Avatar in terms of Avatar's first run in the cinema, but people forget that Avatar actually also got a rerun in the cinema in the same year as well, and that obviously pushed the numbers up even further. So it hasn't beaten the overall yet. But uh, yeah, it's just a bit like a sour taste in your mouth after the victory lap, and it's like, oh, you just you, you are just trying to get money now. Yeah, that's that's really disappointing, really, um, and especially when you've got such loyal fans as the Marvel fans. To, it feels almost a bit disrespectful uh, to, mm. to do something like that. But um, let's let's um, end on a bit of Kevin Costner news, mate. So you uh, need it. I should, should I get you a jingle of Kevin Costner? And thank you, everybody. Here's your latest <laughs> update about Kevin Costner. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so Kevin's come out. Obviously, Kev to, between me and him, um, he's come out and he said that actually they were in the process of doing a bodyguard two, and they had actually got Princess Diana in principle to agree to it, and uh, unfortunately, the script was produced the day before she died. Um, oh my god! Yeah. So yeah. So. She apparently she was quite anxious about it because obviously she had a lot, quite a lot of restrictions on what she could do. At, you know, obviously being part of the royal family. Um, but yeah, we could have had a Kevin Costner bodyguard with Princess Di. And Jill, I don't know what to make of that. In some sort of alternate universe, that's probably happened. <laughs> and, and I will now dedicate my life to trying to jump interdimensionally between these so I can watch that film I'll give failing you a... that I'll just I'll just tweet Jim will paint it and ask him to make a poster for Jamie he's going to be busy isn't he this poor Jim bloke's going to be busy well painting Terry Pratchett in a cocktail dress being swept off his feet by Dean Kane, whilst in the background Kevin Cosner's proposing to Princess Di after the conclusion of their sequel to The Bodyguard Sounds good to me. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Hollywood, put that shit on a t-shirt. Anyway, that is your news for this week. I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip. That's uh, relatively difficult to, to answer. Uh, it's a job that, that we collectively said that was possible and we could do and and of course that the nation itself is backing us so we just sincerely hope that we measure up Jamie Apollo 11 this is a film that came out a couple of weeks ago it's still available in the UK and in the US Um, first question do you have to have seen the previous 10 Apollos to get this film (laughs) that is a really amazing question um, yes, otherwise you'll be totally lost. No, um, <laughs> this this is a movie that is not a movie, if that makes any sense at all. So essentially, they have taken footage from Apollo 11's launch, um, and they have spliced it together in a remastered digital uh, sort of uh, format. As uh, and I think it's about an hour and twenty. I think it finishes out. An hour and twenty long. They've got the the whole way through. You've got the voiceovers of being the astronauts themselves communicating with Capcom, Capcom communicating back to the spacecraft. You've got um, news reporters or like talking. Like, you know, if they were doing the news report, that's played over the top. Um, they had a special score of music written for it as well, which sort of gave you that intensity and and that build up and that excitement 
throughout it. But essentially, it is just stock footage that they've remastered to create what I can only describe as a masterpiece. The really the visualization of it. I thought they could have filmed it today. It was oh, amazing. I mean, the reason why it's in IMAX is obviously for the high quality screen and for the sound impact. Uh, because obviously you've got the, the rocket boosters going off and stuff and you can really feel that in your seats. But there was this one moment where... There's a couple of moments, actually. One is where they're panning up the spacecraft um, and the rocket itself is so sharp and, and 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 the red scaffolding structure around it, that the colours were so vibrant and bright and it just panned all the way up. And it, it I'll be honest, it took my breath away. And it's been a long time since I've sat in the cinema and actually felt awe and wonder. Um, a, because it's something that's real, something that's real footage as well. Uh, and I'll, be, I'll have to be honest with you, uh, I got invited to go to this and I didn't really know what it was about. I just, you know, someone said, oh, do you want to come to see Apollo 11? I assumed it was like, you know, like Apollo 13. Like it was a dramatisation of it. Uh, and on my way up to the, the cinema, I read about it and I was like, oh God, this sounds great. And it's only out for a limited amount of time. And they did break their rules a little bit because they have used a little bit of stock footage from Apollo 8 for when the rocket boosters are firing and stuff like that. But I'll give them that one. Fuck it, who cares? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, um, you know, if you're really into space and you're really into the space programme, go to the cinema to watch it. I I definitely was one of the youngest people in the cinema screen. I think there's a lot of people in there who probably saw it live first time round when they were a child. Um, But... um, the, the IMAX gives you an experience that you probably wouldn't get at home. And oh, yeah, it sounds like you need to sit on the biggest screen possible, the yeah. best sound system you can. Amazing, yeah, um, amazing. So, is it? Is there any like narration over it? Is there? Because no. it feels like oh, there's no. It's literally just 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 the video footage with no narration yeah, at well, all. There, there, well, there's there's the, the talking back and forth. So, you, there, there's bits where you have like the news reporter going. And as we can see now, the Apollo 11 rocket is, uh, Saturn V rocket is being prepared for launch as it makes its way to its final resting place before shooting off to the moon. No, it's got stuff like that over the top. I thought that was quite a good American accent as well, by the way. I've uh, got to say, you've done, you done a good job there, Pat. <laughs> and then there's the bits where Capcom are going like, um, okay, Commander, can you check the uh, O2 tanks, stir them for? Yeah. And so you can hear that back and forth. But there's no, like, narrator describing what's going on there's no uh, like there's yeah, it's a, a little bit of an interview sort of but again that's stock news footage where they I bet both. Morgan Freeman was sitting by his yeah. phone going what the fuck yeah <laughs> I could do a really good job on this <laughs> <laughs> you cost me my paycheck you motherfuckers <laughs> but yeah I mean what an incredible uh, an incredible concept first of all to use Mm. It's a little bit like you know um, when uh, Peter Jackson did that the World War One f- photos where yes yes photos, they will never grow old yeah they turned into colour and then suddenly they were animated it was a, it was a, like a similar sort of concept to that but the fact they used the stop footage and the way they managed to digitise it and, re- and 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 make it look brand new it's incredible the technology is incredible. Um, nice, nice. It might be not. It might not be very fair to judge this as a film from that perspective, but as a no. cinematic experience, what would you score it as? I don't think I've given one of these yet, but a five out of five as a cinematic. There we experience, go. Five out of five. Like you said, it's not a film, but one experience. Amazing. So there you go. As a cinematic experience, as something that really engrosses you, go to your cinema. 
make sure it's on the biggest screen possible make sure that you've got the right soundtrack involved and that you're the youngest person in the building Apollo 11 <laughs> 5 out of 5 and you don't need to see the previous 10 and 13 is just round the corner <laughs> cool. Up next is our final part of our Black Mirror three-part special. Uh, we're going to go into spoiler details here, so if you have not seen the final episode of Season 5 of Black Mirror, then stop, turn on Netflix, watch it, probably get obsessed with Miley Cyrus, and then come back and listen to us go into spoilerific detail. Enjoy. So, John, we are here with our final part of our Black Mirror special features um, across three episodes of Streaming Gems. This is Rachel, Jack and Ashley 2, the finale to this season of Black Mirror. Um, I have a feeling, compared to our other episodes where we've spent nearly an hour talking about each of them, I think this is going to be a considerably shorter one. What was your first uh, reaction to this episode? Oh, well, I had a lot of hope because it was music industry-based, it was technology based. Uh, I, I was kind of excited about the casting of Miley Cyrus. I thought, and I mean, it still gave you that feeling. You know, twenty minutes, you still had hope because it had a lot of different strands where the story's going to go, and it went in a direction that I didn't think of, and probably for good reason because it was kind of a weird, shitty direction. <laughs> um, yes, I mean, looking at the arc of the three, the first one got us pumped right and i kind of feel like it's gone downhill rather than uphill which uh which is a real shame but um so let's talk about this one then flinty give us the lowdown so this episode is supposed to be i suppose a mirror to the music industry um an interesting take of you know how black mirror tries to do its own tropes of traditional movie style so it's done it's touched upon horror it's touched upon uh, a a good happy ending almost like a richard curtis ending and I think this is their attempt to do a teen comedy. And it's just, it falls so flat. It's just, there's, there's nothing gripping. There's nothing uh, that makes me, that stays with you. Uh, essentially, Miley Cyrus is Miley Cyrus just being a different sort of, I suppose, a caricature of herself back in the day of when she was uh, uh, dancing with, was it Robin Thicke? And she was at the height of her craziness. Um I suppose it's a character version of that in terms of a pop character, but I just I didn't really find too much to enjoy about this. Um, Cast-wise, I thought it was quite interesting. So Rachel, who's played by Angerine Rice, who's also in the new uh, Spider-Man movie, which we review this week as well. Um, I thought she was interesting. Uh, I thought her older sister, Jack, played by Madison Davenport, who's been in quite a few things, I thought she was quite good as well. Uh, what was the whole dad thing about, by the way? Like, the whole experimenting on rats? Yeah, I, I thought... I mean, there was a lot of, like, pastiche to, like, sci-fi, 80s sci-fi, right? Especially those 80s sci-fi comedies that kind of went mainstream. Um, and I think there's a lot of nods to that era, which I kind of liked. But... 
it didn't really live up to any of that. It was just a kind of a subtle nod. It wasn't quite funny enough to mm. be a comedy, was it? And it wasn't quite this. I mean, the science fiction of it all was just so bombastic. You weren't sure whether you were supposed to laugh at it or if they were being serious. And most of the time in Black Mirror, it's a bit more clear cut. Um, I mean, the yeah. the actual premise of this is just like stupid. Um, I mean, there's if yeah. I'm a, obviously a massive music fan, there was one, you know, where they took her thoughts and turned it into a song and it started off sounding horrible <laughs> and they added like auto tune. And it, it, there was a, it was a really kind of funny scene and it was poking fun, obviously, at modern music, um, kind of intelligently. But that was one of a very few moments that I kind of latched onto and enjoyed. One of the things I've got a real problem with with this episode is that every episode of Black Mirror up until this point, up until this episode, had a interesting logic. There would be a logic for a reason for something to be there. Now, there's this one thing that I just sit there and go, well, what the fuck you done that for? Was when they're trying to sell to us this concept that Ashley's consciousness has been completely copied in its entirety and stuck in a toy because apparently that's easier than just programming in a few phrases and then on top of that they programmed in an inhibitor to stop the real Ashley from ever communicating in the way she wants to and essentially these two girls were the only people in the world that managed to take their Ashley too plug it in and delete that one protocol where all of a sudden hey isn't it funny because Miley Cyrus swears a lot you know it's just like it's just that doesn't make sense that would never like there's no logic behind that and that's where like I sit there going what the fuck is this episode really about? Mm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't saying much, was it? Um, I kind of feel like they needed to either go, I think they needed to scrap it or rewrite it or just kind of go more ridiculous. Uh, but they've obviously cast these girls that did a really great job. I think they did, they did the job they were asked to do. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it, the whole tone of the episode was just odd. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I don't know. It's a tough one to say, but do you think this is the worst ever Black Mirror episode, Flinty? Uh, in my personal opinion, yes, by a country mile. Uh, there's nothing in here that grips me. There's nothing that makes me think about society. Yes, there's a little bit of a joke about the music industry, about auto-tune and how all they're thinking about is making the money off the live tour and how they can emphasise that experience. But the truth of the matter is, without something compelling and staying with you, then what's the point in Black Mirror? Like, the whole point, in my opinion, of Black Mirror is to quite literally hold up that mirror to society and make you think slightly differently and how eerie... You know, it should be so crazy that it should be fiction, but actually it's not, and this is happening mm. right now or could potentially happen. I don't foresee a world where right now we're capturing pop stars, putting them in a sleep-induced coma, using their brainwaves to program pop songs, and whilst at the same time making smart home intelligence uh, bots, that's a complete copy of the entire consciousness of that person. I feel like that's a waste of technology. That's a waste of priorities if that's the fucking thing that comes out, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think there was a lot to poke fun at at the music industry in this, and Miley Cyrus is obviously having a great time you know, vastly exaggerating probably how she's been treated. <laughs> but uh, obviously, 
I don't think that's got mainstream appeal, you know. I don't think there's a real uh, huge swathes of people that are going to sympathize with these loaded pop stars, you know. Um, mm. But, I mean, if you're into music, I think it is a funny mick take of that. But, I mean, I can't think of much else this episode has going for it, unfortunately. Like I said, I thought nah. it could have gone in about five different interesting directions halfway through. Like, is the doll going to just... Is it going to go horror uh, and the doll's just going to start, you know, fucking with people? Or there was there was a few avenues that I thought would be interesting. And then it chose to go down this one and become a bit of a heist, like teen 80s heist movie, I'd, I guess, where they've got to go and do this thing and, uh, you know, kept lots of close calls. But you kind of know it was going to be all right and... I don't know. It's the only episode that I, you know, you can't really casually watch a Black Mirror episode, but this one almost kind of wants you to. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do that. All right, let's go over there and do that. And and you don't usually feel that about Black Mirror, but I hope this is not the signal that it is on its way down because um, I can definitely forgive one bad episode. And I do hope they make more and more and more because there's lots more to say yeah true on that and there is some elements trying to say in this so this this episode was written by charlie brooker and he did take inspiration from the concept of uh holograph holographic performances so he's commented on the the hologram performances of prince whitney houston amy winehouse and he has openly said in the public that he finds these things quite ghoulish and that uh you know, these are always done with figures that have passed away under tragic circumstances uh, should they be exploited in this sort of way. And I suppose, you know, the the personification of that was the auntie. You know, she literally was just, a, you know what, I'm looking after you, uh, fuck it. Bit of an extreme jump from um, you won't do the pop songs I like any, anymore to I'm going to keep you locked up in a coma whilst a machine <laughs> makes music with your head. Um, some interesting takes on real life songs in this as well. So um, the song On A Roll is actually a remake of a Nine Inch Nails song, Head Like A Hole, and they've remixed it and kind of made it a poppy song. And uh, the song at the end, uh, which she performs, um, I thought was actually quite a cool tune. That being said, they've actually released these songs, like Ashley O is available on Spotify and you can actually download <laughs> Ashley O's songs. Of course. You wouldn't pass up an opportunity to sell a few pence of streams, would you? Well, exactly, exactly. So, look, I don't want to kick this episode um, too much. It, I, you know, this is probably the worst Black Mirror episode, but Black Mirror is still a very, very, very good TV show. Um, I don't. I hope they don't go in the same direction with this sort of stuff. I want more like Striking Vipers, less like this episode. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Hopefully, you know, this is just a, a blip in otherwise an excellent show a lot of people have been panning this uh, it's got 47 percent on rotten tomatoes at the moment uh, the independent has come out and rated this as four out of five i don't know how they've done that but anyway each to their own and uh, yeah some people are uh, trying to say oh it's not that bad and but i i really do think this is quite a poor episode to be honest it's interesting i mean if you're on the black mirror scale of one star to five star, one star being the worst, five star being the best episode. You'd put it on a, it would be a one star Black Mirror episode. But I still think it's more interesting and entertaining than 
a lot of what's on Netflix and what's on TV. So I think it's it's worth putting it in perspective because we judge very harshly Black Mirror episodes because the bar is set so high. So, um, I mean, it is a one-star Black Mirror episode, but I'd say it is a three-star you know tv normal tv show yeah yeah that's fair enough that's fair so now we've finally got our scale right we we always talk about what's our favorite black mirror episode but i think we can all say that we've now got what the worst black mirror episode is and we can (laughs) we can use that scale going forward um so yeah there you go in case you yeah you couldn't tell we didn't like it that much it is one out of five bit of a downer for the end of the season but hopefully we'll have more episodes to compare this to in the future so still long may black mirror reign and hopefully we'll see more in the future I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? John, Paul, George and Ringo, the Beatles. No. Stop it. Yesterday. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. Well, it's not Coldplay. It's not Fix You. Do you genuinely not know who the Beatles are? Genuinely. Then I'm in a really, really, really complicated situation. When I find myself in time... Yesterday, Jamie went to see that film today. That didn't work. Anyway, Jamie, you've seen Yesterday, more importantly. Yes. Uh, what is this film about? Um, well, as I think most people can probably guess, it's about the Beatles. Um, and uh, you know, I, think, I don't think there's many of us out there that aren't massive Beatles fans, but essentially this failing um, musician uh, who was a teacher, so maybe I can sympathise slightly with him, um, he, he, he decided to try and focus on his music career full time, uh, and that's Himesh Patel. Um, and his uh, co-star alongside is Lily James, sort of acts as his manager slash roadie slash potential love interest. Um, and essentially, what happens? He gets knocked. He, the, the world's electricity goes off for thirty seconds. The whole world, and during that point, he gets hit by a bus. He wakes up the next morning, and everyone's forgotten the Beatles. And as any musician probably would do at that point, he takes advantage of that. And he, he starts to try to remember all the lyrics, all the words. Um, and strangely, and I didn't realise how much he featured in this from the um, adverts, but Ed Sheeran is quite a big feature in this film. Ah, um, oh, really? Yeah, but he does a cracking job, to be honest with you. Um, and there's one great bit in it where um, they have like a, a song-off battle. And right. so he, he said, right, we're going, well, you go into that room, I'll go into that room, five minutes later we'll come back and see who's the best songwriter. And obviously Himesh Patel wins. Um, it's a great British film, to be honest. With, well, oh, it's great, great is, is probably an overstatement. It's, it's a good British film, I should probably say. Hey, it's it's covered in, in royalty in terms of talent behind the camera. It's been directed by Danny Boyle. The screenplay's been done by Richard Curtis. You know, so it's yeah. This is by all accounts. This is a, one of the big British blockbusters we're doing of the year. So, I've got to be honest, though, Jamie. I'm one of those people who says, you know what, I I don't mind the Beatles, but because it has such a fandom with a certain demographic, I I can't fucking love them the way other people do. Do you have to be a Beatles fan to like this film? Not at all. And actually, I think it. You know, I went with my partner, and 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 she's obviously heard of the Beatles, but not a massive fan. And all the way through, she's like, "I didn't know that was a Beatles song. I didn't know that was a Beatles song." So it, it was quite nice as he goes quite a lot into the back catalogue uh, and plays these sort of really beautiful tunes that not many people would have heard of. Um, and that's a little bit of the magic of the film that he sort of brings that brings that back. And 
Uh, one thing I really loved about it is if you know if you're a fan of British comedy, there were some faces there you would have you, you definitely would have seen before. You had Sanjeev Bash- Bashka, uh, and you had oh, Nira nice. Sayal as well. And so seeing both of them in it was was really well, as soon as they came on the screen, I had a big grin on my face because you know. Uh, was it Goodness Gracious Me they were in? Was that what it was? That? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I absolutely loved that growing up. So yeah, it's great, great seeing that. And obviously, there's locations you recognise. Yeah, there's Clapton in it. <laughs> obviously, us being Essex boys, we recognise that. Um, and then you got you know bits of Suffolk. And I think that's where Ed Sheeran comes into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really interesting story. But I think the whole I didn't realise it was rom com. And I, I didn't think, right. I didn't think the rom com aspect of it was necessary, personally. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was an interesting okay, concept as it was. It's interesting about um Hamish Patel being the lead in this, actually. About five years ago he was at a QA with Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle was out promoting another film and uh, he was just in the crowd and he was there represent I think he worked in the media prior to that or something. I, I might have got it completely wrong. And um, he asked a question to Danny Boyle and was able to have a chat with him after uh, the event. And that's how they, they remembered each other when he went to audition for the role. How is he? Because this is, I think, one of his first big, big roles. Um, how is he in this film as the lead? Can he carry it? Yeah, he, I mean, he's very good. I mean, he's uh, obviously anyone who's a big EastEnders fan uh, will recognise him straight away. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he pulls it off pretty well. He's obviously a very talented uh, singer. And, and musician, but he's also a very talented um, actor as well. He, he came across endearing, heartwarming at times, um, and yeah, it, 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 he did a he did a cracking job. But then so did Lily James. And Lily James, I think, stole the show a little bit. Um, with sort she's of, incredible. Yeah, she really is, and the emotional tie that she had, um, and sort of the anguish and the pain that was on her face for the vast majority of the film, uh, was incredible. Um, I mean, there was one scene that I... I mean, it was an okay film, but I think there was one scene that made it from an okay film to a good-slash-great film. Um, and right. I don't want to spoil it um, for those out there, but uh, one thing I will say about it, so close your ears for five seconds while I say this, if you don't want to hear anything at all, uh, is that he, he meets a beetle. Um and the significance of that scene I just mentioned that I won't refer to again um, was big and it, and it sort of put everything into perspective uh, and as a result I think made everyone hearts warm a little bit sitting in the cinema mm. uh, oh uh, yeah. that's nice uh, it was a film I enjoyed seeing it was a film I enjoyed spending money on to see is it a film I'd go back and see again mm, probably not Right, right. What was the banger? Like, what was the best? What was the best song of the film? Oh, that is a hard one. I think it's back in the USSR. Um, that that it goes to Russia and plays that. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does that a couple of times. He plays it twice in the in the film, and it's uh, it's quite a you know a, a meaty song, isn't it? It's quite a poppy rocky sort of song amazing I can't help but think of that Alan Partridge sketch where it's just like yeah I'm a Beatles man and they're like oh what's your favourite album oh I'd have to say greatest hits 
Brilliant. This is basically this is basically the greatest hits with an interesting narrative. I've got to say the premise is absolutely incredible. The idea of yeah. if a band very influential like the Beatles didn't exist, you could just go steal their songs. Do they play it? Because a lot of people, and I, this is another reason why I kind of secretly hate Beatles fans, is they sit there and go, if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have this band, you wouldn't have that, that wouldn't have existed. Yeah. Do they play off that notion at all? A little bit. Oasis uh. don't exist either. Um, I thought we missed a trick there. Throw Wonderwall in. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, but yeah, um, yeah. There, there was a few bits where he, like he's googling stuff and it doesn't come up. Uh, and it was oh, and Coca Cola doesn't exist either. It's only Pepsi. Um, what? And so he keeps asking for Coke in places, and they keep looking at him really weirdly. But obviously, because he's a rock star, so yeah, so that's quite funny. And you've just reminded me when you talked about the album. There's one. There is one really funny scene where so. Um, uh, Himish Patel, he's sitting in front of like a load of record uh, executives all around a table, and he's given them some ideas for um, album names. So he's given them Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Is that right? Band Club, yeah, Band Club. Sorry, um, and they they say no, it's too wordy, blah blah blah. And then he gave them the White Album, and <laughs> they just sit around the table and go. Yeah, we we don't think we can call an album the White Album. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> play well uh, with our demographics. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was quite a funny bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's a, a really heartwarming scene uh, that I mentioned earlier that makes the movie as far as I'm concerned. Nice, okay. So uh, give this sucker a score, dude. Where does this sit for you? Out of five. I'd, I'd go a solid three and a half. There we go. Three and a half. So worth your time, worth your money, maybe not worth buying on Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, exactly. There you have it. Yesterday, 3.5 out hey of 5. Hey, dude, are you sure? Hey, dude. That's so much better. do 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 Thank you once again, everyone, for listening to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. All the stuff you do on our social media accounts, liking, sharing, retweeting our posts, it really does mean we can grow and do more some more awesome stuff. So thank you for that. By the way, if you have come this far, then maybe, just maybe, you're willing to go a little bit further. Please click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filmy to me. We've been doing giveaways on the pod recently. So AJ Simpson, thank you so much for winning our uh, latest giveaway your slimer is on the way to yours right now uh, Jamie how can people find you uh, they can find me on twitter at Mr Hannon in space Hannon in space next week we are back at our home away from home in the Soho Radio House Productions we're going to be joined by Bloggy Balboa again because she was a right laugh last time weren't she yeah, yeah we really enjoyed ourselves can't wait for that one so yes we'll be doing that next week we'll be reviewing a whole bunch of other stuff Jamie better brush up on Coolix we'll be playing a game and a bunch of other fucking madness in between <laughs> stay filmy till next time we're down in the basement we'll lock the cellar door and baby talk filmy to me